there. This is Angeline Fisher for English Breakfast, and our guest today is Vera Sompon. She's a real powerhouse. She came to Esslingen 20 years ago to study social services, and as she was there, she was confronted, like so many people, with racism, and that drove her to create services and support for. New and old migrants that have been confronted with similar things, and to work towards empowerment. Fast forward to today, she now has two different locations of Sampon Social Services, where they provide services to individuals, educating by providing trainings, qualification, also to government. Stay tuned to hear more. From Vera Sampan on the topic of empowering African diaspora. Vera Sampan from Sampan Social Services, welcome to English Breakfast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, we certainly are happy to have you here. It turns out that you're a pretty large organization and very active in a variety of different areas. But before we get into the details about this organization and all the great things that it's doing, maybe you can tell me a bit about yourself and your own personal journey coming here, coming to the area.、Mm. Oh, thank you very much. You said it. My name is Vera Sampon, and twentieth、um, of May this year makes me twenty years in Germany. Congratulations! Came, thank you. <laughs> And I came to Germany to study, and I studied social work and social pedagogy at the University、uh, of Esslingen, where I now lecture. I'm a lecturer at the University of Esslingen, and、uh, I lecture also in the area of、uh, critical racism. Yes, and、uh, why I started the organization was because of the discrimination, the racism that I personally experienced in Germany. I would never believe that in the so-called democracy that is portrayed in the televisions or what we hear in the radio, I would never have believed that there is racism. In Germany, I would never have believed that in this rich world, what I saw in the TV、uh, that fascinated me to want to come to study in Germany and live eventually in Germany, that that there will be any form of injustice, especially the social injustice. So when I started experiencing personally racism, I was shocked. Because the the, the 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 Europeans we encountered in Cameroon, where I originally come、mm. from, had different mindset. So therefore, you come to Germany with that mindset, thinking that those you met in Cameroon would be the same here, and then booms, your first shock is you have the impression no one wants to sit close to you. In the car or in the in the train, no one wants to sit, and then you start asking,、mm, "What is happening now?" Or at a university where the professor will speak practically his language, his dialect, and expect you to understand as a fresh newcomer in the country 
This was really a challenge. So I decided that after my studies, I was going to create an institution, an organization to support, to counsel, coach, and accompany people with migration heritage. I think, I don't know if I would say a tipping point, but we're at the beginning, I think, in terms of the the discourse that's occurring, that I think there's been for a lot of people, a lack of awareness at all, the huge impact it has, and I think what racism is, and also how almost everybody with a darker skin tone has experience. So I think everyone that I know that's black or has darker skin has had these experiences. Yeah, and not once, but all the time. And I think it's just the the lack of awareness because as a white person, you're not experiencing that on the daily. And then there's all these, well, now we have the terminology, right? Microaggressions. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it's overt, but but often it's being followed around in a store or or very small things, you know, where you come from all the time. I like the word awareness. I like that mm. word because I have a friend, Batimona Abeke, who came up with the concept called awareness against racism. And, and the word awareness is so critical and very important because the simple fact that we're aware that racism exists and is still present and that there are different different forms of racism it's not yet really i think people are not really aware of that and that's why she came up with the concept awareness against racism Mm. so that people become more conscious that there is racism and of course you said it people with darker skin experience that on a daily basis. And you know, it's not written at my forefront uh, head or that of my son or daughter that, oh, they are Germans. By the way, because they are born here, it's not written there. It's not also written that they are refugees. But you know, once you see them, the first impression most of the time is, oh, the poor refugee. Because they are dark-skinned because they're blacks. And the awareness that we have black Germans is also not yet really... But we've had black Germans for a long time. You know? <laughs> and, and people will still say, oh, they, um, there's a policeman who said it to a young African lady. He wanted to control her. And the lady was, you know, with pride to remove the passport to show. And the police guy said... Well, you may have the passport, but we do not know that they are black Germans. You know, in this generation, in this time, of course we have black Germans. We always had black Germans. When you go back to the history, what they used to call them by then, the Moren, we had black Germans, even them, who revolutionized Germany also, who had great impact. Mm. But unfortunately, the stories were not told. The stories are not told. And so, oh, racism is a very, very dangerous disease. And we really have to bring that conversation on a regular basis Mm. so that people are aware, not because we want to point accusing fingers. No, I have a concept, racism, critical openness, so that we can talk about it openly without any bias. 
to just have that conversation so that people feel comfortable in talking about it. Mm. Because I have the impression people do not want to talk about this topic. Yeah, there's a, you know, it's an uncomfortable truth, right? I think that, as you said, depending on your own experience, you can have a blind eye to it mm. or you have no choice, right? Mm. And, I, and so I think that it's it's an, an awakening, you know, an awareness. I think that's the first step. Mm-hmm. It's not the last step, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. it's the first step, right? Then it I mean action. Yeah. But yes, the first part is that awakening or the, that awareness. I think that that's a, a good approach mm-hmm. uh, to start because people are very sensitive and oh yes and you have to be kind of ready but it's eye-opening i myself have taken a a few critical whiteness courses Mm -hmm. which i think were really good again because you have that experience you know i always feel like i'm not exactly sure where i fit in a lot of things Mm -hmm. Um, just with my own own personal background. But, of course, I have a life of privilege as a Canadian and living in a white body. So I think that it's really important to start thinking about that. And there's lots of areas where we just maybe are are not aware of it and how hurtful language is and what the impact and the role we have, especially as, you know, if we're teachers and we're educators. Yes. And so... I think it's wonderful that you're now a lecturer at a, at a university teaching these things, which I think is a great gift to Germany yeah. as well. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about white privilege. Talking mm-hmm. about privileges, I say white privilege people. I can't blame you for being privileged, but I can hold you responsible if you do not use your privileges to support Mm -hmm. people who are victims of what the white system created. Because racism is a construction of white people, the Westerns, and therefore everyone benefiting from the construction of these systems should be aware and use their privileges to support victims in one way or the other so that's what we will call allyship so Mm -hmm. that we become we create more allies so as to support the victims but also speak up speak out against all these forms of racisms or discriminations in any of its forms i tell most of my white friends I have no problem that you have the privileges that you have. You didn't call for it. You were not there. But I hold you responsible. And I want you to take that responsibility serious. I want you to to recognize the fact that you are privileged because of the constructions of the wounds, the yeah. different wounds that I am supposed to endure. And therefore, when I say I am, I mean victims or people that are survivors of this kind of of the of this um inhuman um systems that were created and therefore um just like pat parker we see for the white my white friends forget that i am black and but never forget that i am black so it's um it's a mix um it's a paradox 
But I think that all my friends and all my white friends, and uh, I, I want them to be allies. I want them to to ally with me so that we use their privileges to support survivors, create platforms like what you're doing now so that we can talk about it um, and make it a normal conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's very valuable to be able to become part of the new tomorrow, let's say, or the solution. Mm -hmm. And as you said, we're born into these systems and it's a construct where some benefit um, mm -hmm. and others don't. Exactly. And um, before you, it's like, breathing air it's everywhere before you realize the system that we're in mm -hmm. i mean that it's a it's an awakening it's like when you're coming of age right mm -hmm. and you at some point you realize oh my parents are not gods yes. they also do have weaknesses mm -hmm. they're not perfect people it's, it's a similar type of thing i think mm -hmm. for um, you know that we go through we 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 wake up and we've been told a lot of lies a lot of stories yes. in yes. as you said um the way his history was written, yes, um, I can say from my own my own biography as well. Um, the history books originally, you know, or mm. um, that I was exposed to, I wasn't exposed to that much history, which is maybe in some ways a good thing, mm -hmm. in some ways not so good thing. I don't know, but very much from a colonialist perspective, yes, yes. our First Nations were considered as um, uneducated, um, unknowing brutal people, which yes. was quite the absolute opposite mm. <laughs> of the case, where colonialists were the, the brutalists mm. and unknowing of um, the need, what we are mm. aware of now, right? Yes. The, the nature and the impacts and the environment and sustainability and all these topics that are coming up mm. now in the last hour. Um, and so, uh, you know, until you sort of like wake up and, and mm. that's dismystified, it's, it's a sadness that also comes because you maybe you have personally perpetuated without knowing and then at some point you realize there's a guilt there's a collective guilt you know we there's an inherited guilt that's there and so how do you work through that how do you confront that mm -hmm. also yeah. right just mm -hmm. the way you know there's collective traumas also yes. if you are yes. the um, perpetrator yes. um or or the victim whatever yes. words you want to use you know there's a there's a trauma there so to that's work through true. it but that's part of the healing process yes yes and that's why that's why we have to talk about it because when we talk about it then we heal yeah. Actually, we have to heal from the past. And history is so important for this healing process. We have to be open. We have to be ready to say, let's talk about what our forefathers did. Let's talk about their mistakes. Let's put it under mistakes, right? Let's, let's pretend that it was a mistake. No, but we know it's a construction of something and it was intentionally done. It wasn't a mistake. For the sake of wanting to heal and so that we can talk about it without shame, without blame game, without any forms of shying away from it. So let's let's pretend that it was really just a mistake and then open up the doors for the conversation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the big trouble here is not what was done it's the fact that the denier of what was done yeah that's yeah. actually the problem mm -hmm. and when i say to my white friends and to my 
white brothers and sisters, I, I say, hey, the only thing that survivors want is a recognition of that error, of that mistake, of that intentional act that was done to consciously turn around the history. You know, at times I wonder how they came about that Jesus Christ was white. <laughs> I wonder how it came about. And we all believed it. Now, how do you come back now to say, wait a minute, Jesus wasn't white. But we all believed it because of the power of media, the power of how the stories were told in a specific way. Yeah. And goodness, they did a good job in telling that story. But now we are awakening. Now we are conscious because yeah. the people, the survivors, the, the victims are also questioning and saying, but wait a minute, how come? What happened? No? And now they are demanding, please. We had a, an uh, event yesterday. I was very happy with one of my white friends. He's a big guy. I don't want to call the name of the structure and where he comes from so that he will not hear directly. When he was talking yesterday, he practically was apologizing. We were given a word recognizing the works of some migrant people doing amazing work in the community. So he said when he sees what they do, he's so ashamed because they do that out of their volunteer out time. They do not have payment for that. And he always asks questions. Well, how so much energy and power? And he's been paid for what he's doing, the same job that the other person is just doing practically full-time volunteerism mm. because they are not being paid because they do not have financial support for their structures. And the other guy is having all the privileges. And he said, he just wants to apologize. He just wants to say he's sorry. He just wants to recognize the fact that it is not correct what has been done. Times is enough. At times it's enough to take that responsibility for the entire continent. To recognize that there have been a lot going on and uh, that we are re-traumatizing the people and um oh, yeah i think it's a it's a definitely a first and and very needed step yeah mm -hmm. towards as you said collective healing yeah. really for for everyone so we're getting into your work and to a certain extent right especially yes. with, when they were into events so you wanted to provide these support systems because you yourself also realized there was a need and I'm mm -hmm. sure realized there was a need for, for other people, especially mm -hmm. people that are coming that are new, but also people that have been here for a long of time. Mm -hmm. but, I mean, I can talk in terms of new migrants. There were no German classes available mm. for people who didn't have a status mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. So we have people that just, they learned it completely on their own as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, th you know, those generations also didn't have very much, they had no support, let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah very, very difficult. So tell me a little bit about how this came about. So you had this idea, mm. because, and you realized, okay, I want to do something. This is, this is a problem, and we need to remedy this situation or create some steps. 
to what you have now, which is really huge and having a couple of different areas, etc. What was that process like? Hmm. A very great question. Um, I am not born in Germany, that I have to say it first, which means that I had to learn the system. I went to school here, but going to the university here is different from being born here and going through all the processes to understand even the languages, how it functions. The daily language is different from the professional language. So when I finished, uh, it was October 2009, I finished with my studies. So it was clear during the seventh semester, I had a very good professor who taught us very well about bürgerschaftliche engagement. He did a great job, Professor Müller. Wherever you are, thank you, God bless you, because he brought me into really knowing how to go about. So we had this topic and it were like he knew I was waiting for that. So he gave me actually the tools I needed. So what to do, how to stop, start up an organization, um, why you started up the motivation and how you can keep people motivated. So 2009, I started it, we, we, 2009, October, we had the legalization of it, that it was legal. We are now a recognized organization. But how do you start? So I started with just what we call uh, Aufklärungsarbeit, just giving information to people about the difficulties of people uh, with African heritage in uh, Esslingen. We started in Esslingen. So, and after that, I attended a lot of meetings to always talk about the problematic and to create that awareness in the community. And I was working by then full-time also in a daycare. As a pedagogic, I worked with a daycare for children for three years. And in between, I was doing this. Then I realized it was taking a whole lot of time. So I decided I had to choose to either quit my job or to let the organization and the vision die. So I preferred to quit my job and I concentrated on this, on building it up. I had to learn, I had to ask a lot of questions. The only thing I do not do wrong is asking questions. Of course, it hurt some people, but I keep asking the questions. Then I understood you had to, um, you had to become a recognized uh, organization by for children and youth and um, children and youth work. So I did the process, and we became recognized. Then I realized that that's not enough to be recognized. There is still another level so that you can get financial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can offer services, so therefore I now applied again to become uh, what we call a service provider for uh, this area of work, social work. So that's how we become, we became a service provider. I uh, we are in um, practically all big 
organizations, what we call the Wohlfahrtsverbände. We are in the Paritätisch. So they are our support system too, because through them, we have the lobby work done. We, we discuss with the different ministries. Um, we, we have the support because they write the projects usually. And, uh, we, we get financial support at the level of uh, national level and regional level. We, we consciously decided not to, apply for fundings from, from the local level because we didn't want to create any uh, competition there and we didn't want to be like a competitive organization. We wanted to be more as a support structure even for other organizations. So we are practically in diverse organizations also as members like the Paritech, like DEP. DEP is DAC for Band for Entwicklungspolitik in Essetet, Stiftung Entwicklungszusammenarbeit. We work intensively with them. At the moment, I'm the speaker of the new founded Verband or the organization in Baden-Württemberg, uh, Landesverband für Postmigrantische Organisation. I'm a speaker there, so which means that I'm practically working with a lot of governments, the government of Baden-Württemberg, as well as the local government and also the national government. At the national level, I am also the speaker of what we call Forum der Migrantinnen um, at the uh, national Bundesebene. Okay. And uh, we, it means that we, we practically are always in touch with different politicians um, at the different levels. No? So, and, and so, of course, to come back to structuralizing the organization, it was very clear for me that if I had to become like one of the big structures I was admiring, like Paritage or Avo and Order, then I had to structure the organizations using the laws, the book, the law books, <laughs> so I do not create any concept out of my intuition, ballet and all that. More I use the law books so that our work is being justified uh, by the law. So and uh, that's how most of the big structures function. And then we, we created services. So that's why we now we are also in the process to have um, to have direct contract with the job center because to have that to do that you also have to go through a process of accreditation so we want to be accredited to become a service provider in area of education you can do education work without becoming a service provider but those are two different things mm -hmm. because the one is we continue to be volunteer you can write a project but the other one it's a service yeah, and then it can continue on, right? It can it's a, a long-lasting of... thing. Mm. So, which means that you build it up, and other people, if they are smart, even if I am not more there, they can just build upon it, right? And they, will, if they are smart enough, they can build structures out of it, provide jobs. My intention was idea. to find great jobs opportunity for people like myself, of course, and other people so that they can be able to um, be in Germany with their different languages and still make it. Because usually one thing that you have to be perfect in German to be doing the works that we are doing 
And I said, no, you have to be good in something. And if you're good in cleaning, then join us. We will find a possibility to clean together. So if you're good in, some people are just good in talking, eh? but talking using another language. Sure. It must not be the German language. And so for me, the criteria to be a good social worker is not the German language because our clients are not automatically the Germans. But now at the level of doing the trainings, what we do like the racism critical uh, training, it's specifically for white structures, for politicians, for people in the in the government then of course then you need the language so but that is also a service we provide for to them and so they have to pay for that services so that's a bit of how it works <laughs> wow like a firecracker <laughs> amazing so much and i can see that there's a lot of lifeblood in in this project and that you've built it up it's very impressive but also your approach, maybe it's because, you know, also you're an academic. Maybe it's just that you also can read systems really well. The way that you approached it, that it was so systematic, saying, okay, first I want to find out, you know, what this German structure is. Mm. And then based on that, I'm going to meet those criteria to, to be able to mm. fulfill the different services or get the different funding. It's really a amazing light, you know, upon the horizon in some ways, because mm. I have so much, I, I really have so much interaction with a lot of different cultural clubs. Mm. And they are nowhere near this. And they've been established for a long, long time. Mm. And they offer themselves a lot of social services, often through volunteering and in an informal way. Mm -hmm. So they might have, you know, a, let's say a fest or some kind of meeting, and then eventually they get to know each other. And usually the language is, is often something that connects the people mm -hmm. or the original country of origin, not mm -hmm. always, it depends. And then because they have that similarity, then they already have a little bit of a feeling of home through language often. And those that have been here longer help those that are new, mm -hmm. you know, in some ways. Or sometimes the younger ones will say, hey, now we want to, we see that there are mothers, for instance, or that the omas need to help, the, the grandmothers need help. The younger ones will themselves offer some kind of training for them. Yeah, but they're nowhere near any kind of this, this idea of qualifying of creating those structures of funding and people volunteer for a long time and then they're burnt out. There's nothing. I'm, yeah. So this is amazing. For me, um, I, I volunteered. I, I, all the, all the areas, I mean, I'm the chairperson in the, in Paritetische in Kreisverband Esslingen. Um, in the uh, Landesverband, I'm also the speaker, like a chairperson. Um, at the Bundesebene, the national level, I'm also there. These are my volunteer services, yes, right? Yes, yes. So, and, um, um, but for me, it was very clear from the beginning. We want volunteers. It's very important. But when people create structures, it should not only be based on volunteerism. Again, we want volunteer. We have more than 80 people 
really volunteering in the organization in some point social services they do in one way or the other we have amazing people doing great jobs and they say oh no no we don't want anything which is fine but we also know that um there's what we call aufwand entschädigung yeah. but that is not the salary so and for how long should these people volunteer before we recognize that they are doing a very good job Yeah. And for me it was clear and that's why I'm even in the like chairperson in this new founded umbrella organization because I really want the people to understand that we can't do volunteerism forever. That's why the structures don't stay forever. And then the next point will be oh migrants can't organize themselves. That's not true. Yeah, the truth really is good. that the the outpoint It's not the same. Now, just imagine that. Um, let's talk about Friars Radio. Just imagine that you had the same outgoing point like the National Radio. Just have imagination. What would have been? There would be no competition because. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Now we have a National Radio. They get funded from all of us. Right, it's fine, it's good, but for how long should the Fry Radio here keep working on volunteerism? Of course, people will get tired because they have to feed their families too. Now the question will be, how can we structure that so that yes, those who want to do on volunteer basis keep doing it, but that also those who want to take that as their profession get paid for that. I think it's wonderful. I think it's important also to support black businesses. I think that jobs and also training all part of the process. So I think it's a complete sort of type of organization where I really haven't seen that here anyways. Mm. And so that's why I think it's it's very inspirational. Where do you get your confidence and inspiration from to just say, "Hey, I'm going to create something new." I mean, obviously out of the need But um, you know, where do you get your energy from to <laughs> I think to do a, this work? <laughs> I think that one is a gift of the universe. I don't know. I can't really tell you. But I, what I know is, the message is stronger than every other obstacle. I feel like I wanted to give hope to my children. I feel like I wanted to be a source of inspiration to many women out there. I felt like there was a need to tell black people, migrants that have come here and they're disappointed, to tell them there is a way out. You just need to understand how it functions. Systems, one can read systems, one can analyze systems. And if you understand systems, understand how it functions, then you will go you can do everything and anything It's because like a puzzle. <laughs> yeah but you you and, and that's why for me it's so important that we have we have the mentorship program and it's so important that we have mentors that can and people who can really also follow mentees who can also okay let me grab and you don't have to do everything i tell most people the clever one is not the one who does everything It is knowing who can do it, get that person do it for you, mm. and you go on. Why yeah. must I do everything? 
I must not. I have a mentor. Told you about accreditation, yeah. so that we can have big more money come in through cooperation with Job Center. You know, it has been delayed because I thought, oh God, I have to do it myself. And then she told me, but why would you want to do it? I'm here for that. And then I just changed the patent. I just shifted the responsibility to her. And she's working on that. And I'm sure that in less than a month, everything will be fine. Why? She knows the system. Mm -hmm. She is in the system. Hey, and she will mm -hmm. train me into the system. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's a good, very good approach because I know a lot of us, let's say, that are volunteering or doing this kind of work do burn out in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we've just touched on some of the things that you do. Obviously, language acquisition, empowerment, qualifications, job-related training, creating awareness, critical whiteness, all these topics, empowerment, all these things, a large palette. But I want to talk to you about something that's coming up. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. As far as I know, it's the first first event like this here in Göppingen mm -hmm. of its kind. I think we have similar things, but not this extensive. <laughs> so without further ado, maybe you could tell us about this event that's mm -hmm. coming up. Sure, sure, gladly. It is called the Umbutu Africa Fiesta. The word Umbutu simply means I am because you are. Therefore, from the word itself, it tells us the story of the event. It means that the event is to bring people together, that we understand that we are humans. And it doesn't matter what kind of people will be coming on that day. The people who come are people, whether you're the ex His Excellencies or the Lord Mayor or all these big people who will be coming, or even the children and the people with refugee background, single mothers, all these people who come on that day should feel the spirit of unity, of being together, of kindness, of love, of humanity. That's the point. And uh, it's going to be three days Friday from the 9th with a conference where we have to discuss how to learn from one another and develop properly again maybe the conversation of sustainable development and then um, the lot mayor is the one carrying and supporting also the project I want to use the platform to say thank you uh, for accepting to be uh, the patron of the event and um, we're going to also have on Saturday and Sunday diverse groups of musics. We have the the walk with the Feel for Diversity walk where we're going to have different groups. The Albanian groups are going to also join us. Albanian? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, they are joining. Okay. They are joining. We also have uh, their partners also. And uh, they're going to also present their dance. We have the Afro kids also that are going to be there. And we have other the Italian community that we're also involving in it so that it really be a place of diversity. Diversity in its ensemble, in its completeness. But the main thing is that unity, that togetherness, that uh, vulnerability, that we are just human beings. And... Uh, Let's be humans and enjoy the three days with music, with good African food, German food, and uh, 
drinks and music we have a wonderful group coming also from south africa the golden youth club and they're going to be singing for us and teaching us how to drum how to shake the body and uh, and we know well that uh, dance is also a healing for the body soul and mind so i'm inviting everyone listening to us to join us from the 9th to the 11th of june here in Göppingen. it's going to be at the station. I mean, when you get out of the station, oops, you're there. So yeah. join us. At Thanos Platz. Okay. <laughs> well, I know that I'm going to be there. Um, yeah. So it's a really huge event. Three mm. days. Okay. That's very unusual for us here in Göppingen. Such a big uh, festivity or cultural festivity of that kind. And I think we've never had... Uh, we might, I don't know if we've had a, a fest that was called a Bunterfest, but never to that degree. And Alex Meyer has also been on this program a mm. couple of times. And so th- I think it's really great that he's going to be part of the festivities mm. among everybody else that is going to be there. And food, dance, entertainment, mm-hmm. and information as well. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward to that. Well, thank you so much thank for you. being on the program today. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. And I mean, I knew that you were active and did so many things because seeing you mm. around a bunch of places, also in Stuttgart with Form de Couture. Mm. You haven't been here that long, really. Mm. I know it seems a lot when you say 20 mm-hmm. years, but that you've managed to establish such institutions mm-hmm. of this measure having impact. If listeners would like to find out more about the different activities and services that you have, how can they best go about doing that? Oh, just go to the website, uh, www.sompon-services-bw.org. And uh, also on all social media platforms, we are there with Sompon Social Services. Okay, we'll put that in our links. Thank you so much. I really wish you the best for all that you have ahead of you and um, that you're nurturing uh, the people that are here and uh, also educating. So wonderful things with our listeners will really resonate. Thank Thank you you so so very much. Thank you for the privilege. up our show today with Vera Sampon from Sampon Social Services on the topic of supporting and empowering Africa diaspora, but also educating individuals and government organizations. If you would like to find out more about our programming, or if you would like to have access to the more curated version of this program, Music and All, then look to the show notes and follow the links. This is Angeline Fisher signing off for English Breakfast, wishing you the very best wherever you may be in the world. Until the next time. <music>